0: What's up, guys? And welcome to a very nostalgic episode of Into the Tunnels. Tonight, we're gonna go back a few years, uh, you know, kind of uh, reliving the past, um, to my beginnings, and I'm sure uh, you know quite a few of your beginnings. So, uh, the Sacramento music scene from the early 2000s, um, so you've seen kids get your hair straighteners, hairspray, and sisters' jeans, <laughs> log into your MySpace, find that perfect MySpace angle for a pic, and let's take a trip. Uh, so, you know, basically everyone, uh, knows the bigger bands from the Sac area, um, you know, especially, like, you have got bands like Deftones, uh, Papa Roach, and, um, oleander uh not a lot of people are actually too familiar with them but they were one of those bands that kind of did make it out of sacramento that uh became a commercial success um you know there's there's you know a handful more whatever um uh, you know but those are the mainstream ones so uh this one's about those bands maybe some of you have forgotten um and where some of the gems from uh our little music scene uh you know so that that first one uh I'm sure quite a few of you remember them. Um, you know, Elysia was huge in the Sacramento scene. So, you know, that that was Elysia. uh song Triumph from uh, their Masochist album in 2006. Um, but it was actually... Uh, I think they had like a recorded version, like a demo version in like 2004 or something. Um, I think I picked up the that full album when I was maybe, like, 15, so, like, 15 or 16, somewhere around there, so, yeah, 2006, I would be 16, well, I guess it kind of depends on, you know, when it came out, but, um, no, they're, they're, like, where was I, oh, yeah, uh, so, you know, they're huge, um, kind of in the Sacramento scene, and kind of, like, on the more underground extreme, uh, scene, I guess, uh, I've, I saw them a shit ton of times, uh, you know, especially at like the boardwalk and everything. Um, they did release, uh, I think, I think it was two full albums. Uh, the second album, uh, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people didn't like because they did um, go in a completely different direction of uh, what their their demo and first album was. Um, I think it was a little bit more like. I, I don't know, like math, Corey. Like I remember it, kind of having kind of like a Dillinger feel or uh, converge, um, converge. Um, and you know, a lot of people like really didn't like it. Uh, and you know, I revisited uh, that album uh, a few days ago, actually, and I dug it. I um, you know, it's super different, yeah, but it's really good on on their own. Um, you know, so you know. Being from Sacramento, they did tour with bands uh, like Arsonist, Get All the Girls, there uh, Impending Doom. Um, I think Knights of the Abyss was one of the bands that they toured with and I saw them with. Uh, Knights of the Abyss is uh, actually, for the time, they were one of those really good bands from Arizona. But uh, I remember hearing Alicia, um for the first time um, and I, at the time I was actually playing guitar for, uh, it was a more metal core band. Um, <laughs> oh God. So <laughs> we were called, uh, All That She Wrote. And then, um, I back then, uh, you know, that was kind of like the huge, uh, it was the bigger genre back then. Um, like with our age group, just that whole like metal core, uh, as lay dying type stuff. Um. And then, uh, me and Nick, uh, we actually, you know, we wanted to write shit that was heavier and faster and a little bit more brutal, you know, kind of in the opposite direction of, uh, what everyone else wanted to do. And, I mean, it eventually led to the downfall of that band, but it also gave birth to the early, like, writing style and sound of Extrapate. So, you know, it was, I guess it was good. Um, holy shit. My bad. Uh, I just accidentally knocked my pop filter off. Holy shit. All right. So, um, this next one, uh, I couldn't find the, like, uh, the full recorded track. Um, and it's also really bad and cringy though. So, <laughs> I do apologize in advance for your ears. Um, cause, they might bleed, um, but there, uh, there are still some videos up of, um, me and Nick's, uh, older band, um, all that she wrote, uh, you know, we played and, uh, like these videos are actually, uh, from Club Retro, um, the original Club Retro, not the second one and they brought it back and it absolutely flopped, but, uh, yeah, it's from 2007, um, uh, and this song was actually, uh. I'm going to have to find it, see if I can upload it. I know, I think it's like on an SD card somewhere that I have saved, but I'll find it and, you know, fuck it, possibly just upload it somewhere and, uh, you guys can all laugh along at how shitty we were. (laughs) So, uh, on this next one, um, this is all that she wrote, Path of Destruction. It is a live video, so, uh, it might sound pretty bad. So yeah, um, I told you it was shitty. <laughs> so all that she wrote, um, so a little, uh, story about them, um, they were already kind of like, uh, practicing and had songs written and everything, um, when I joined, um, I actually, I think I was a sophomore, I was a sophomore at Lincoln High, uh, taking guitar class, and, um, this freshman actually came up to me uh when i was playing i was just playing guitar for fun haven't really uh been in any kind of like real band was it sophomore year maybe it was junior i can't remember it's been way too long now but um he came up to me uh you know kind of you know he he said that i was good and everything so we started um hanging out uh, we became friends and then he asked me if I wanted to join the band that he was in. And at that time he was actually playing, uh, guitar as well. And, uh, you know, I went over there, um, where they all jammed at, uh, just kind of started playing random shit with their drummer and, uh, you know, things kind of clicked. Um, the vocalists at the time quit Josh, the original guitarist, uh, became the vocalist, um, while I took guitar duties. And then I think after a few jams or whatever, um, that's when, uh, uh, I met, well, I mean, I knew Nick already. And so, yeah, I think, I guess it was junior year. Um, you know, met Nick, uh, know, became kind of good friends back then. Um, played guitar a lot. Uh, we actually jammed a handful of times too um brought him in for a practice uh you know a couple times and then um actually like the very first time I think we went over to Josh's and kind of showed him some shit that we that we wrote together and then I also showed Nick uh you know all the songs that they had at the time and whatever and um you know me me and Nick's guitar writing was just we, we completely just always saw eye to eye on like riffs and uh you know we we knew like to take riffs like to the next part and everything and then that's when we actually um we met dan the uh he was the bassist and he was actually uh playing bass before i joined uh left they had a different bass player and then it was just it's just a crazy jumbled story like that <laughs> you know like little local bands and everything but yeah we met Dan Dan was actually the original bassist for Extrapate when we kind of uh, like all went our separate ways um the vocalist and drummer and then uh me Nick and Dan kind of started something um but you know before Extrapate and everything we we did play uh like a handful of decent shows um you know but ended things before I feel like we could have gotten uh, something real done and, uh, you know, kind of taken things to like the next step. Um, I can't remember what our last show was, but I do remember uh, we had a show lined up with um, with Fallujah uh, when they're actually uh, still a Deathcore band and it was, uh, was scheduled at the underground. And, uh, you know, Fallujah now, um, they're one of the bigger, uh, like, techie. Croggy bands, I guess I would say. Um, but you know, before, uh, we got to play that one, we called it a quits and kind of ended ugly. We all kind of stopped talking for a while. Um, except me, Nick and Dan, uh, we were happy to kind of go our own way and it it did actually end over, um, something a little bit stupider, but I'm not going to get into it. Um, you know, but uh, me and Nick are still jamming and shit fucking however many years later, uh, it's been, I think, like, 13, so holy shit, yeah, Thir- fucking 13, Jesus Christ, um, so I did mention The Underground, uh, holy shit, that venue, though, um, I saw, you know, a, sh- a lot of fucking bands, uh, one of the most memorable shows I saw there was Bury Your Dead, And that shit was fucking insane. It was literally like a fucking, like a war inside that fucking small ass venue. Um, I also did see uh, Arsenis get all the girls uh, there. The fucking underground though was like, was the place to be. Um, (laughs) Fucking scene rats, the MySpace days. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, so just like venues in general back then, um, some of the I wouldn't call them the biggest, but the venues to be at, you know, uh, you had the Boardwalk, of course, that's still around, which is fucking awesome, you know, they've been around for a long, long time, uh, Club Retro, the original Club Retro I did mention, um, before, you know, I played, uh, All That She Wrote song, I remember, uh, seeing, like, A Life Once Lost there, and Darkest Hour, uh, a bunch of, a bunch of punk shows, um, See, I saw the Chariot there too, uh, and actually some ska shows when I was younger. Um, those were extremely fun ones. And even like the fucking, uh, there's like a VFW hall in Orangeville. Uh, I saw a lot of punk shows there. Um, I remember actually seeing Subhumans there. That was a fucking, that was an experience and a half, you know, like being able to say that I saw one of the most legendary punk bands of all time. Um then actually, I think I, like, way, 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 way back. I still might have been a freshman, maybe. Um, but uh, I think I saw, like, Malevolent and Conducting from the Grave. I think it was, like, at the Onyx Club in, like, downtown Roseville, Old Roseville or whatever. That was fucking years ago, though. Uh, I don't know if they were conducting or if it was with passion. I I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was one of them, though. Um, yeah, you know, speaking of conducting though, they they blew up pretty big, um, out of the Sacramento scene. You know, they toured a bunch with bigger national acts. Like, uh, they had like an All Shall Parish tour, Arsis, uh, Cataclysm tour. I think that one had All Shall Perish, too. Um, they did get picked up, uh, back then by, uh, Sumerian Records. And, uh, they did release, uh, When Legends Become Dust and Revenants from them. Um, and then in 2015, they released, uh, Trials of the Forsaken. And then, uh, their 2005, uh, or, yeah, wait, what was I saying? Uh, 2015, they re-released, uh, Trials of the Forsaken. Uh, their, two, their 2005 EP, like, 10-year kind of anniversary thing. So, um, I'm gonna play a little bit from, uh, the original uh, 2005 EP. So, uh, Conducting From the Grave, a never-ending search for closure off of Trials of the Forsaken. Alright, so again, that was Conducting, uh, From the Grave, A Never Ending Search for Closure, off of Trials of the Forsaken, uh, the 2005 version. Um, uh, they also did release a self-titled album in 2013 that I thought was really great. Um, definitely kind of a more matured sound, uh, from their previous material. And, um, you know, it's, what, like six years old now? And, uh... So it's not that old and you know, it still does hold up to time. Um but if you're wanting more, uh you know, John Abernathy is still active with uh Wastewalker and uh they are getting ready to release their second album, uh, which is titled Lowborn. And uh we were supposed to play a uh, uh an album release uh show with them, um but it did get cancelled. Uh, but hopefully we can still play that show. Because um, 'cause I'd be down as fuck. Um so yeah, go uh Go keep up with WasteWalker on Facebook, um, give them a like, stay updated, easy as that. So, um, that, that metalcore, uh, oh, what did they get mad being called metalcore? deathcore melodic sound, uh, I was saying earlier, it was huge, uh, during that era. Uh, it definitely shaped some of my playing and, you know, it, it did include a lot of influence on my guitar. Um, you know, especially bands that were huge back then, like, like, As I Lay Dying and Killswitch and, um, uh, Dahlia was considered, uh, like, metalcore back then. And, you know, especially Dahlia, they they were a huge influence and still are, um, and then I did get, you know, more into a lot heavier bands, like, Through the Eyes of the Dead and Early Chapel, uh, as Blood Runs Black, um, the Red Chord, Despised Icon, Animosity, those are three of probably my, you know, favorite bands of all time, right there. Um, still are. I fucking love those three bands. Uh, but you know, as I did get older and I started playing drums uh, and really starting to take shape and focus, um, you know, bands that kind of were a lot more influential for drumming. Uh, you know, Despise Icon was definitely one of them. Uh, but I did start looking into bands like Suffocation and Cannibal Corpse and, like, Autopsy and fucking Exhumed and Obituary, <laughs> you know. But, fucking, you know, enough about me. Um, this is about the fucking music and feeling old as shit. So, uh, you know, going back to metalcore, early, I guess, early per- post-hardcore, um, the band fucking Catherine uh, really grew a following, you know, Especially among like the teen scenesters and emo boys and girls and you know, they they kinda created that perfect storm of uh heavy and catchy with uh that perfected image of skinny jeans, side swooping hair, fucking, you know, edgy looks but at the same time kind of preppy. Um you know, it 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 definitely was a look and style that definitely fit the sound and it was kind of uh uniform, I guess, for a lot of the bands, but so I'm gonna just play a small clip, actually, of uh, Catherine. Um, you know, I actually really did like them back then. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you remember them, and I uh, really dug them too. So let's listen to uh, let's listen to "Is It Tomorrow Yet?" Actually. Astaroth Has Stolen Your Eyes, put out by Rise Records uh, in 2006. Um, it was smack dab between um, like two self-release demos and two uh, other full-lengths. Or maybe it's like the other way around or something like that. Um, this album uh, featured a uh, vocalist, Brian Lemassers, who actually passed away in 2008. Um, he was only uh, 23 years old. He died of cancer, and I actually remember when uh, Catherine posted about it on MySpace and how it affected uh, the community. Um, Rumor has it, in my opinion and many others, was Catherine's best work, and uh, you know, if if you're a little bit more open-minded, I kind of think it does uh, still hold up to time as well. Um, And then I. I think they might have done a memorial or memorial show uh or maybe like talked about it. Um you know, I think he was definitely their best vocalist and I saw them numerous times at uh, different venues and they always put on a show and always fucking packed the house. Uh you know, they were kind of like yeah, they they were riding that wave of uh you know, what was like huge back then and you know, continued to grow for years, um, you know, and I don't know, I, I just think, like, I used to really like that album, I used to jam that album a lot, I actually, uh, played, um, my drums a lot to that album, too, you know, kind of, uh, helped me with, uh, like, foot control and everything, playing different kind of breakdown patterns and shit, um, you know, but, you know, I was mentioning, though, like, a, a few minutes back about, Finding music that was more brutal and faster and a lot more aggressive. Um, so, I'm going to share bands uh, that I didn't know exist in the Sacramento music scene until Extra Pate was already formed and uh, doing our thing. Um, and these bands, uh, you know, like these next two, are uh, they've been around for a little bit. And I felt like Extra Pate, um, we could have easily, you know, shared the stage with them. and... Uh, You know, our sounds of our uh, subgenres was able to mix and live in harmony together. And I was like 21, maybe, maybe 22 when I first heard this next band. And uh, this album was out for a few years already. And uh, I actually do have an interesting story about them. Um, But I'll play them first and then uh, I'll get more into it. And, you know, this story is actually pretty cool and interesting if you didn't if you uh you know didn't know much about this but uh this next one is uh dismal lapse um with divide and devour from the 2009 album eon fragmentation So again that was uh dismal labs with um divide and devour uh from their 2009 album eon fragmentation uh that album was actually produced by uh, naveen who was uh in animosity and uh now more known for uh his uh his main band entheos and uh he actually did the drums on the latest white chapel album i think. Um, and uh, so, you know, Dismal Lapse, you know, saying so I was going to get to a, a kind of a cool story. Um, so, Dismal Laps, a little bit about them. They're a three piece, uh, they have one EP and one uh, uh, full album out. Um, that album was actually put out by, uh, I think it was Deep Send, um, Deep Send Records. Uh, you know, people might know who they are because they did House, uh, the Deathcore Pioneers, Antagony. And, um, there's actually a really sick, uh, like blackened, uh, death metal band called, uh, I think it's like Nefestus DS, DIs. I I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Latin, I think. Uh, but they're from Canada and, uh, I definitely recommend checking them out if you like some cool blackened death metal. Uh, they do have some like orchestral type stuff too. Um, so Dismal Laps, uh, coolest thing, dopest thing about them. Is, uh, their drummer, Chris, uh, was actually also their full-time vocalist. Uh, I tried doing the same shit um, way back when with Extra Pay in the very beginning. But that shit is fucking exhausting. Um, and Chris is actually an extremely talented chef. Uh, I did work with him um, at a restaurant called Chubo 7. It was in Roseville. He taught me a bunch about food. Uh, You know, I think he's an all-around awesome dude. Um, You know, if you're on his good side, and he'll treat you right, treat you with respect. Um, I remember when I first uh, started working for him, and uh, he found he found out that I, you know, play drums as well. he, He did tell me to, you know, have have a plan to fall back on and not to rely on music you know kind of saying it not to really doubt me or you know i don't want to doubt any other musicians out there but it is extremely rare to make a living off of uh you know playing the music we do you know it's not extremely um popular you're not gonna like you know be like a millionaire off of it you know unless like you do uh you know get on the right path and everything it's extremely hard but you know, i'm not saying it's impossible it's it's just very hard um you know he he actually showed me and pushed my passion for cooking and uh you know even though i don't work in a kitchen right now i still have the passion for food and i do have an itch to be you know back on the line like on those in the fucking trenches you know that that shit's fun that's extremely fast-paced uh no, but he's uh, actually gone on to uh, opening one of the most unique spots in Sacramento called Localis. Uh, they've been featured in you know a shit ton of magazines. Uh, they're featured on the California Michelin Guide. You know if you know if you know what that is, and you know it's a pretty big honor. Um, I think he's actually currently working on getting a second spot opened for uh, Localis, and uh, he's also uh, the brain and you know the behind the scenes guy with a couple spots up in Auburn. So, you know, go go support Localis and Chef, Chef Chris and eat some amazing food and you know, enjoy a uh, unique experience. Um, and, you know, for a little actual, uh, like, little side note, uh, I actually uh, was able to start working with Chris um, as the person who got me in. Uh, it was actually Taylor, uh, one of the, the old vocalists for Kennedy Vale. Um, I think he was the vocalist on Trinity of Falsehood. Um you know, he I was looking for a job at the time. Uh he said that the kitchen uh at Chubo was looking for uh for some new hands and everything and so I went interviewed, um got the job, you know, worked there for a couple of years and you know, it was it was extremely fun. Uh you know, if you can hack it out in the kitchen it is definitely a different kind of monster, and uh, not a lot of people can... Uh, not a lot of people can take it. Sorry for that burp. Um, I burp a lot on this fucking podcast, I've noticed. I was actually talking to Laura about that, and uh, I have this weird um, like hiccup burp thing that I do, where it kind of feels like a hiccup's coming, but then I burp at the same exact time, so it... <laughs> It kind of makes my chest feel like it's about to fucking implode. Um, and I I know I do it a lot and it fucking annoys me. And uh, when I pointed it out to Laura, Laura said she never noticed. But when she started thinking about it, she was like, yeah, you know, what? you do actually do that a lot. So maybe it's like the beginning of like, um, what is that shit called? Acid reflux, maybe. I, I don't know. I'll have to go to the doctor and figure out what, what's, you know wrong with me sometime (laughs) so uh you know i'm kind of uh more i guess in the realm of extreme music right now and um this band is exactly and actually just that just extreme uh disgusting brutal frightening you know any word you can associate uh with those words i feel like they fit it (laughs) um i know i'm playing these things you know kind of quickly and kind of shooting them off really fast but you know i am very fucking tired uh i haven't been sleeping well been working a lot haven't had a day off in what feels like two months now um yeah you know it, it it does suck but i know it'll get it'll get better uh so yeah, this one may not be as long as last week's episode, but still pretty lengthy. Like right now, I'm actually gonna uh, like get around 35 minutes or so. So I guess uh, I'm at about an average, and I still I still have actually quite a bit more material left. So maybe this will actually push out uh, to maybe an hour. And if you guys like these hour-long podcasts, let me know, and I'll keep writing for them and making sure it works out. But um, yeah, so. I don't know if I already mentioned it but this next band is Killgasm and the song is Perpetrators of Total Extermination off of uh, Bloodbath of Satanic Vengeance from 2011 um, so if you like blackened, brutal, grindy shit this is for you I'm
1: all of these things
0: So again, that was uh, Kilgasm with uh, perpetrators of total extermination, off of a uh, bloodbath of satanic vengeance, and that came out in 2011. Um, so you know, whoa, what's what's not to love about you know that band? <laughs> uh, you know, they they are uh, another three piece. Um, the drummer, uh, Jamie, aka Emperor Cunt Slaughter. I was uh, also doing vocals at the same time. Um, you know, they had a very uh, satanic uh, imagery, uh, blasphemous lyrics. Um, we actually got to play a show with them at uh Where was it? Uh, it was one of the old venues, uh, the Fire Escape. I didn't mention that one um, earlier. But yeah, it was a Fire Escape. Um... We played with them and uh, Slaughterbox, and uh, actually Feast was on that one too. I think I was like one of the first times I ever met those dudes. Um, and then uh, we played we played with Kilgasm and Slaughterbox again at On the Y with Pathology, um, Jamie's girlfriend or Jaime. I don't I don't know if he goes by Jamie or Jaime, but uh, his girlfriend. Uh, now wife actually uh created the first uh, real extra pate logo uh it was extremely grindy black metal-y influenced um i thought it was kind of too brutal looking for us uh, but it was weird I, a lot of people um us grindcore as grand core at the time mainly because i think of uh how fast and sloppy we used to play so um <laughs> you know, I, I guess it kind of fit. Uh, and those, uh, those logos are are definitely something else. I mean, I was able to read them you know, because obviously I knew what they said. But if, uh, you know, if someone who didn't have a trained eye for metal logos looked at it, it looks like that, that fucking meme. Of just, just like, <laughs> holy shit. Uh,. That fucking meme of, like, a pile of sticks saying, um, like, my new black metal band's logo or whatever, you know, I, I don't know why that shit's just extremely funny to me right now, but it is, um, I think I have, like, one of those shirts left somewhere, I don't wear it anymore, uh, cause I'm trying to just preserve it, you know, I plan on, um, I plan on, like, I guess, like, framing some of, like, the first extra shirts and, you know, putting them up and stuff, uh, I kind of thought it would be a cool idea, but, um, yeah, sorry for laughing, like, I don't normally, I don't normally bust up that hard, uh, but, you know, sometimes you just get a fucking funny, sh- funny thought in your head, and, you know, fucking memes, right, <laughs> uh, so, um, the fuck was I, um, so, yeah, Jamie is actually still active, uh, playing in, uh, Death Crater, um, another blackened, uh, death, uh, the bestial war type, uh, metal, um, they do actually have a full length out, too, called Abortion of Humanity, so go check them out, give them a like, uh, I think they have shit on Bandcamp as well, or go back, listen to, uh, the Killgasm Discog, see, I did that fucking weird hiccup burp thing again, and here it comes another one, uh, So, uh, I'm actually going (laughs) to tone it back, um, so in the last episode I I did kind of mention a lot of my punk background, and, uh, to me, punk and hardcore, uh, kind of go hand in hand because, you know, hardcore didn't evolve from punk and everything, uh, you know, and Sacramento produced a shit ton of punk bands and a few hardcore, hardcore punk, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and when I was younger, I wasn't aware, I wasn't too aware of like the difference, uh, between hardcore and punk to me, it was just punk. Um, you know, it's extremely like, I wouldn't say divided, but there's definitely a line and uh, a lot of distinction between, uh, what punk is and what hardcore is now. And, you know, it's all right. And whatever it evolved into, I guess its own genre, but, uh, you know, like, I guess to me, um, like Minor Threat, uh, Gorilla Biscuits, uh, that was punk, but now, like, a lot of people do label them as hardcore, and I guess pioneers of, uh, how hardcore is now, you know, and, you know, other bands like GBH and Bad Brains, and, you know, like, from them, uh, you know, bands like Mad Ball, Sworn Enemy, and, you know, other bands like that, and especially, like, Sick of It All, um, (laughs) Sick <laughs> of it all uh if you haven't checked them out definitely check them out they have this music video um i think it's a music video for step down uh and it, it featured uh like a like a how-to and uh like on hardcore dancing and like the name of the moves like fucking like picking up the change or picking up pennies and uh like shit like that it's pretty funny i i you know i i used to get a kick out of it and it uh, fucking made me laugh hello hard um but, uh, like, one of the, like, punky hardcore bands, I guess, uh, that came from Sacramento. Everyone knows, um, fucking Hoods. Uh, they've been around for a long-ass time. Um, I used to, I used to see them. I think I actually saw Hoods with Madball, uh... I think it was like a Valentine's Day at the boardwalk, like a Valentine's Day. I think I call it like Valentine's Day Massacre or some shit like that. But yeah, Hoods, Madball, um, I can't remember who else was on that lineup. There was another one from Sacramento. But yeah, it was like a Valentine's Day. Me and the girl I was dating at the time went. And I actually went with uh the original basis of uh, Extra Paid Dan and the girl he was with at that time. So I guess it was a cool little valentine's uh date right who doesn't like going to concerts <laughs> so uh, i'm actually gonna play a uh, hood's track um it was this was one of my favorite songs uh when i first found out who they are because this album came out from around the same time uh when i you know found out who they uh who they are uh the song is uh king is dead from the album king is dead and uh it dropped in 2005 so again um fucking listen to some hoods. Again, Sacramento's own hoods. Uh, I think they're still doing their thing. I think they're one of the like, longer-running bands from SAC2, so you know, fucking hats off. Um, you know, Being able to play music for that long, that's a dream for a lot of us, um, and they've been able to stick it out and you know push some good shit out and keep afloat, especially... Uh, I don't want to get... <laughs> get too deep into it, but, you know, today's musical economy, it's it's kind of harder, um, especially with, like, streaming services and shit, I did touch upon it um, last week, but, you know, that, that's gonna be, that whole dive's gonna be for uh, another episode, maybe, uh, it does get depressing, but, <laughs> um, I wasn't gonna fucking say. Oh yeah, uh one of my other like favorite uh hood songs, um, I think it's off the album uh, Ghetto Blaster or something like that. But it's uh it's about like partying with straight edge kids and uh well he says like if you're straight edge, don't worry, I'll give you a sprite or something like that. I can't I can't remember the exact lyrics. I remember being young and being a you know, a young fuck up and <laughs> drinking beer and that shit did make me fucking like, laugh and kind of lose my mind over because I just thought it was so fucking funny. Um, you know, they, I, I've seen, I've seen Hoods, Yeah, I, I did mention seeing them at the boardwalk. Uh, I did see them, a, like, a few more times after that, and um, the old band, all that she wrote, did kind of pull a little influence from, from them with, you know, some of the breakdown in two steps, so. You know, I I hope when you were listening, you started uh, throwing down and two stepping, you know, wherever you were. If you're listening to this at work on your headphones, I hope you just dropped everything and started fucking, <laughs> started swinging on people and fucking crowd killing. Um, cause that that shit fucking that shit goes hard to me at least. You know, I, I do like my hardcore still. I do like my uh, my punk and all that shit still. You know, I don't I don't just stay one-dimensional and listen to, you know, death metal, or, you know, little subgenres of death metal. I still branch out from time to time. You know, I I like everything. Uh, as long as it, to me, sounds good, then I, I dig it. Fuck it. You know, fuck whatever uh, anyone else thinks. You know, if you're the same way. Um, like, the worst type of fucking people are those dickhead and metal elitists and... <laughs> Yeah, uh, they just kind of they ruin the fun for everyone if uh you know something's not brutal enough or you know whatever. And so you know, I, I was saying uh you know, I was uh I do associate with hardcore with punk and Sacramento definitely had no shortage of punk bands. Um they have the secretions, I still think they're doing shit. Uh, you know, one of the more bigger ones was the groovy ghoulies, uh, the knockoffs and, uh, red tape. Um, and then, you know, one of my favorites from that era was, uh, ADD or, uh, another damn disappointment. And, um, I remember like skating and listening to them and, you know, (laughs) being young, doing stupid shit. Um, (laughs) I remember one memory that I hella, like, think of, um, I, where was I, live I think I was living in Antelope, um, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe Antelope, or maybe I moved to Lincoln already, but, uh, a couple of my friends and I, you know, a couple of punks, um, my two friends had uh, mohawks. One was like the super paper-thin mohawk. You know, extremely tall and everything. Uh, the other dude had a shorter, broader um, uh, mohawk. And actually, I think I was like rocking uh, Liberty Spikes back then and shit. Like, super crazy fucking looking. Uh, but <laughs> we were skating around uh, Roseville. Like, around um, Bulljon Middle School. If anyone knows where that is, and uh, like right down the street from Bulljon, there is a shopping center like with Rayleigh's and everything, and, and a couple of um, like restaurants and shit. And I remember uh, it was late at night, you know, at least at least eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night. But uh, one of my buddies um, ran up <laughs> to a fucking water main and completely just, you know, let it loose, just, uh, I don't know how he did it. I think he just fucking, like, busted the chain off, and then just cranked the fucking wheel, and it shot water, like, I don't know, like, 50, 60 feet into the air, just straight up, and, uh, a lot of people fucking saw him, saw us fucking with it, and <laughs> I just remember taking off down the street on our skateboards, and, uh, and, like, dipping into a fucking neighborhood, and, Dude, we did some fucked up shit. Like, we went to the neighborhood and, um, I'm not saying, uh, what year this is because, you know, I don't want it to come back and bite me in the ass, but we, uh, did the old, um, bananas in a fucking tailpipe, uh, to multiple cars. Um, did something a lot worse. We, we, uh, super glued people's locks and shit, so it kind of destroyed the locks, which was really fucked up. Again, uh, I was young, I was dumb, I was fucking punk, man, you know, that's, that's fucking rock and roll and <laughs> whatever. Um, you know what I was, what the fuck was I saying? Oh, uh, so yeah, this next shit, um, ADD, another damn disappointment, um, they're kind of, uh... Shout out to Sack, uh, uh down to Sacramento.
1: All right,
0: so, uh fucking ADD, um, short, like 30 seconds of that song. I should have played the whole thing, but I fucking cued it up wrong, whatever. Um, so they, they did release, uh, three albums and, um, every fucking one of them will make you want to skate and fucking play Tony Hawk. Um, I, I really, really like ADD, um, that type of, uh, like, skate street punk style um you know i i don't know a lot of people don't like it but a lot of people say it gets repetitive and boring which i can see but uh, it's punk it's four three four chord songs you know um and uh, i'm starting to get extremely tired oh shit my bad for that uh what the fuck did i do Alright, my bad. Um, sorry for that dead air right there. Uh, where was I? So, to kind of, uh, I guess, change gears and kind of go back to the uh, heavy side of Sacramento. Um, these next dudes, you know, they're not from, uh, they, they probably formed, I guess, around my teenage years, but I didn't find them until, uh, like a little bit older, maybe. Um... And I have mentioned them, you know, a a bunch uh, in other episodes and stuff, and uh, they've always been a favorite of mine um, here in Sacramento. Uh, They're still part of my listening rotation because of the album being, I think, perfect all the way through. It's one of those albums where it's hard to kind of like pick up right in the middle, uh, you know, of it and like, like track four or whatever. And, um, I always find myself uh, wanting to start from the beginning and just kind of listen all the way through and try to make it all the way through before having to stop. Like every song to me is memorable and, you know, it's fucking amazing. So I'm, uh, I'm talking about Awaiting the Apocalypse. Um, some of the coolest guys I've ever met. Uh, I've shared the stage with them. Um a shit ton of times, uh, to me, they deserve to be heard on this, uh, nostalgia-driven episode, and, uh, <laughs> I have some pretty funny stories, uh, about partying with these guys, um, and you know, a lot of people know them for partying and, uh, <laughs> having fucking crazy nights and shit, and I've got a, I've got a couple of them that, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you would like to hear too. So uh, I'm going to play my favorite song um, from Awaiting the Apocalypse. And it was extremely hard to pick one. But this has actually been one of my favorite tracks uh, for a while now. Um, So Awaiting the Apocalypse with Therapist. And uh, if you don't have the album, At War with the Dead, go fucking find it. Uh, Go listen to it. And just keep it up on fucking rotation and repeat. I. The next song on that album is really fucking good too. <laughs> um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to stop it earlier, but fucking, I just like it, let it kept going. and just fucking really dig that whole song as a whole, and wanted to keep listening to it honestly. <laughs> so um, that was a waiting apocalypse, the uh, song therapist off their album uh, at war with the dead. Um, You know, shout out and, you know, rest in peace to Marcos, first off, you know, before I get into anything, um, one of the most down-to-earth, um, had the biggest fucking heart, uh, biggest fucking hugs, uh, dude was amazing all around, uh, one of the coolest guys to kick it with and talk music and just kind of bullshit with, you know, every time anyone hung out with him, it was just constant laughs and shit, and, you know, he definitely, definitely brought light into very dark places for people, and, you know, I, uh, I was really fortunate to, uh, I guess know the guy and and party with him and shit, too, so, you know, always, um, always good memories with that dude, and it was just always fun, um, so a couple quick stories, so, Uh, I actually, um, first time I played with ATA, uh, was on my 21st birthday, um, and I mean before then, you know, I've wanted to play a show with them and shit, and, uh, I, I hit them up, I asked if they were down, and when they said they were down to play, I was extremely stoked, and, um, uh my my first impression on them was probably not not the best cuz i was uh a fucking drunk mess you know it was my 21st so i guess it could have been understandable <laughs> um i i don't remember really playing uh our set i think i i remember like the first song and a half uh i remember like at the very beginning of the second song someone ran up with I think it was like a double shot of whiskey and just handed it to me and they were just like, take it. And I was trying to fucking trying to defer it. And I was like, no, you know, I can't. I got to wait till after the set. Um, and then everyone started kind of cheering me on. I didn't want to look like a pussy. <laughs> so I ended up, I ended up taking it. And then about halfway through that song, that's when uh, everything just disappeared. And I, I don't remember Uh, most of the night and I was drinking like all fucking day I actually remember uh, I think it was like my dad who told me or my mom uh, when I was playing they overheard um, the ATA guys I guess kind of talking shit on me (laughs) about like how drunk I was and shit and how I couldn't play and how I sucked and everything but I'm not saying it was an excuse because I was drunk and it kind of was an excuse. It was my twenty-first birthday too, um, and then uh, one of the me- like most memorable times I think uh, it was uh, we played up in Tahoe for uh, I think it was our first spring meltdown, um, but yeah, we partied extremely fucking hard from like the second we got there. It was just drink after drink after beer, after beer after beer after beer after drink um we just partied insanely fucking hard uh and then uh they were fortunate enough to have a room below us or above us sorry um and uh we extra pay, and i think that a couple dudes of uh the dudes in symbolic um like chris and um like billy and and then, um, we all ended up like partying till probably like six or seven in the morning, and uh <laughs> I remember at one point um we were <laughs> we were like up on the roof of the fucking hotel and like straight up like motley crew or fucking Pantera like style like pouring fucking shots and shit into people's mouths from the fucking roof. Uh, That definitely is a memory that's going to, you know, I'm going to remember forever uh, because, like, of how cool it was. Um, I remember, uh, like, Mark and the symbolic dudes were, like, chilling in their van. And we started fucking (laughs) chucking uh, pine cones, like, at the top of their van while they were, like, in there smoking a blunt and scaring the fucking shit out of them and shit. And then um, it was, uh, again, like, 6 or 7 in the morning our uh the vocalist that we had at the time i think he was like just filling in for us and just came up to party really he was uh extremely fucked up he disappeared for hours um just kind of took off i guess he like went down to the beach and uh (laughs) to watch the sunrise and uh came back and he couldn't get into the room uh, when everyone was like passed out already and he started like banging on the fucking door and just like doing this beast ass yell just yelling let me in open the door and you know everyone from ata heard it and they were trying to fucking sleep and and i felt like we pissed them off like in the morning when we woke up they were telling us like you know how fucking how crazy we are and um you know it was kind of like an honor saying (laughs) saying that uh we partied extremely hard uh from those dudes who were known for partying at the time and so, you know, it, it was kind of like a medal of honor, I guess, for extra paid. And uh that, I know that story comes up a lot too and um it, it's always it's always a fun one to kind of, you know, think back on and how crazy it was. Uh the hotel room that we had. And, um we were fucking lucky. Uh it was paid for in cash, which to me was kind of like like sketchy, you know. Um because we tore that fucking room up like it was it was bad (laughs) there was fucking like beer cans and liquor bottles everywhere the fucking beds were completely off the frame um someone fucking flooded the bathroom there's like water leaking out (laughs) everywhere and shit and then uh we just bailed so like they had no you know no record really of us being there because we paid in cash so uh we lucked out on that and didn't get fucked over with you know having to pay for uh um like damages and shit cuz i'm sure i'm sure there were damages um i think there's actually like a couple of videos still floating around uh of that night and you can see how wild we got <laughs> so um you know again rest in peace uh to marcos uh those those nights i'll remember uh, forever um shout out to tyler uh he's still fucking playing music he's uh, playing with down cypher um i think that may actually be it i think princess kitten called it a quiz which is you know extremely sad and shit Uh, i always liked watching them play um they always had tons of fun on stage and shit um, but go, uh, give Tyler's new band a like. Again, Cipher. Uh, I'm sure you can find them on Facebook. And, uh, it's not that hard to spell, so if you can't spell it, then, um, I'll provide links, you know, I'll provide links for all the bands that I did feature on here, and if they're, uh, not on anymore, I'll, I'll add links to, uh, um, the music that I use so you can go check it out and shit too, so. So I'm just going to do a couple more and then, uh, I'm going to get out of here. It's fucking, it's late. I'm tired of shit. I got to work. Uh, I got to do the normal, the normal shit that I do every single fucking day. So, um, this next one, uh, again, it's in, it's in the heavy realm. Uh, I just remember, uh, one of my favorite, uh, albums came from some of the members of this band. Um... This is definitely a throwback, and if you've been around, you will definitely remember this and kind of like kind of be like, holy shit, yeah, I do remember them. Uh so this is fucking fate with a mortal bloodbath.
1: Ah! Pages with skin!
0: fate <laughs> with a mortal bloodbath um so uh, fate contains uh, uh members of uh the bello castrum uh who went on to replace original members of fate except the uh the original guitarist who was the only member remaining um i can't remember if uh if drew winter was actually uh on that recording i think it, it sounds like him so i'm pretty sure it is him but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of you probably know who Drew is, uh, he's known for his shit and conducting from the grave and, you know, a lot of other shit. Uh, uh, Bryce Jacob and, uh, Devin Jacob actually drummed for Molotov Solution, which is, uh, another dope-ass band from that era, um, and then Devin, his brother, um, you know, they, they were just a fucking punishing duo of music. And then uh, Drew, you know, those uh, those four later went on to form uh, Shadow of the Colossus, which is in reference to uh, one of my favorite video games of all time, um, Shadow of the Colossus. And uh, I think that name has always been fitting because of just fucking how heavy they are and just how insanely just intense um, that album was. Um, so Drew is actually still active. Uh, he recently did do some, uh, fill in spots for Wastewalker. Um, and from my understanding, I think he's, uh, the newest vocalist of Warm Flesh. Uh, I think, I think I saw a couple videos with him in some posts, uh, about him being on vocal duty. Um, Devin actually, uh, he's now popularly, popularly known as Devin Dawson. I did a complete, like, 100 degree, 180 degree turn um, and became a successful country artist. And knocking on, I actually do dig some of the shit that he's put out. And, you know, so go support your local buy or boy and go buy that album. Uh, you can actually find it in, like, Target and Walmart. So that's, you know, that's a milestone for someone. Um, one of my old bands, actually. <laughs> oh god, this this might get embarrassing. But uh one of my old bands, um we actually played a show with Fate. Uh it was it was weird. It was like at an MMA gym that I guess Uriah Faber trained at. And um that that band uh we had one of one of the stupidest names, man. Like we were called <laughs> Abysmal Asphyxiation and uh It was just heavy type shit, I guess. Um, you know, we, it's actually kind of funny because, uh, some of the riffs from that old band made it into, uh, like, extra Extrapate's first, like, demo and shit, um, but, you know, it's a name that doesn't really make sense, it just sounded cool, and we kind of had a whole joke about it, saying AA, and, you know, we were all <laughs> young alcoholics at the time and shit, too, um, fucking Fate, though, I, I they have uh, this song. I tried to find. I tried to find this song. It's. Uh, it was actually uh, released um, when off of uh, Metal Blade when they got signed by Metal Blade, and I guess some shit happened. But um, it's like impossible to find. I can find. I think the album's called like, Vultures. I think something like that. But uh, the song I was looking for is called uh, "Fossil Fuel Genocide," and in that song is like in the intro drew does this most insane fucking high like that i've ever heard and still to this day like one of the sickest just blood-curdling highs and man it sucks that i couldn't fucking find that song because that that part is just it's fucking crazy and uh, i remember uh, they played that song when we did play with them live and i remember looking over at nick and, like, both of us just had our fucking jaws on the ground, just, like, what the fuck did we just hear, and, um, actually, like, uh, I did reference how, um, our old old band, all that she wrote, uh, we, we had a single called Path of Destruction, and, uh, Drew actually had a, um, a guest spot on that song, like, I think it was actually during a breakdown, too, where he did some of those insane highs, so, you know, it was pretty cool to, uh, witness him do that in studio, too, and, fucking nail it live and you know it was fucking it was cool man um and you know like i remember uh when i was like really starting to like start play like started playing shows and shit and fate and like debello castrum and shit those were like those were like those bands that you needed to go see live or you need to go to their shows and you know see all your friends because they were all going and shit too and he didn't want to be one of the lemos that got left out and didn't show up and shit so <laughs> and then uh so you know before i get into this last band um this was actually like like really fun to uh, kind of do some research on and you know um go back and find all these uh like old bands that i used to listen to and you know grew up listening to uh kind of i guess i guess like in my in the musical sense of growing up um i've been i, I was kind of thinking out know, like maybe like doing this once a month or something you know uh look back on our music youth and um so you know if you're listening and you do have any requests uh for bands you want me to include uh on these type of uh nostalgia driven days shoot me suggestions because this one was extremely fun um you know, it's you know it's going back through the memory bank and thinking of shit of growing up in the Sacramento music scene. It's been a fucking journey and I can't wait to dig deeper, find out more hidden gems of the past. Um so this last one for tonight is actually a band uh that opened my eyes to a local scene. Uh, I mentioned them earlier. Uh, I've mentioned them a couple times too, I believe, but Greg, uh, Greg Chastain from Bispora. Um, and I think uh, what was the other fucking band imbibed by the quasar? I haven't seen if they were playing a show uh, or when the last time they played a show was, but um, his old band malevolent was actually like my first real exposure to like uh, local music. I think it was like seventh or eighth grade. Um, he showed me and gave me, uh, one of their CDs and he also like paved the way for a lot of my musical influences too. Uh, so, you know, a huge shout out to Greg and Malevolent, uh, without those little moments, I don't think I would exist, exist in the Sacramento music community. Uh, you know, real quick too, just, uh, if you can, you know, if you're listening, um, please share this post links, do whatever, um. Tell everyone you can. Uh, tell them you can, you know, f- find me and listen to me on Spotify and iTunes and uh, Google Podcasts. So, um, thank you for checking into this special episode. And again, thank you for listening to Into the Tunnels.
1: Into the Tunnels.